Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Mary Ann Wolfe. Early childhood education, care, and supports provide our children with the foundation to do well in school and in life, and are critical for our families and our state. Our guests today are here to talk about the importance of early childhood learning and supports and what needs to happen across North Carolina to give our children the best chance for success. I'd like to welcome to the show Michelle Hughes, the Executive Director of NC Child, and Muffy Grant, the Executive Director of the North Carolina Early Childhood Foundation. Thank you both so much for being here today. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Happy to well, be here, Marianne, with both of you. Well, we are so fortunate to be here with two such important leaders in early childhood and the whole child. And I'd love to start today just by giving each of you a chance to share what you see as the most pressing issues right now in North Carolina. I would say that, you know, North Carolina has so many wonderful, um, has, has led the charge in the country really around investments in early childhood. And we need to um, use that great foundation, things like Smart Start, the first state to offer full day kindergarten, um, and, and, and use that to increase public will around viewing the entire birth through uh, um, age five through K-12 education um, as, a, as one continuum. And early care and education really does need to be funded as a public good. And how are we going to come together to do that and um, to provide an environment that is competent um, in, in, in racial justice and um, that pays its workforce equitably with parity to the K-12 system? Um, and is really reflecting the needs and the desires of the community that it serves. So um, this pandemic has provided us with an opportunity to really rethink um, what equity might look like in early care and education. And I certainly am hopeful that this tide um, is going to, to move us towards that, that North Star um, of, a, of a universally accessible, equitable, affordable early care and education system for all North Carolina families. To you know, take what Muffy said and then maybe even expand it a little bit more, um, building on the importance of early care and learning for, for young children and brain development, we really want to be taking a whole child comprehensive approach to children's health and their growth and their development, we really need to look at what's happening to North Carolina families and North Carolina communities. Um, and we really can't help children unless we're helping their families and, and, and their communities. So as we look at the pandemic and sort of what has happened in North Carolina, everything Muffy just said in terms of early education. And we know that families in terms of loss of employment, um, food security, housing stability, um, mental health issues for young people, um, including young children are skyrocketing. So these are all things we need to be paying attention to if we want young children and all children um, to be thriving in North Carolina. And I'm curious to hear more your thoughts about the Leandro case, which has been a long time case here in North Carolina. And the fact that it addresses early childhood is actually quite significant. And I wonder if you'd be willing to share kind of why you see that as important and perhaps also promising. Leandro is um, really consequential and it's an opportunity for us to think about um, how you cannot decouple care from education, that those two things need one another in order to be a, a, a nurturing, nourishing environment that leads to um, academic success. 
um, and long-term success in life. Leandro is, is really looking at what we have in place in North Carolina, things like the Smart Start Network, which is great because that's focusing on zero through five um, and the NC Pre-K program and ways to expand that and to try to um, supplement the, the funding issues where, where there are funding issues in communities, um, counties, where it's really hard to reach that, that match requirement, the funding match requirement. Um, and also the, the issues of space, you know, where are we going to put these children if we, if we are um, going to be offering a universal, um, NC pre-K and it's, it's actually not a universal program. It's, it's, you know, this is a really outdated term, but it's something that I think we need to discuss. Um, the term at risk is really antiquated. And in 1994, when Leandro was brought to the courts here in North Carolina, um, that was the, 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 the phrase at the time. Um, but now we know that means communities that are overburdened and under-resourced and from low wealth areas. Um, and so it's important that we recognize that that, that is what Leandro is, is, is really squarely focusing on those um, that, that have historically not had the most supports. Um, and I think that that's a great opportunity. You know, that's the tide that lifts all boats and we can start really making the determination as a state of, okay, if we're framing early care and education as a public good, knowing what we know about brain science and that a child is entering the kindergarten classroom with 85% of their brain development, then it is really crucial that we're not just starting at pre-K, but that we are looking at ways in which we can invest public funds into um, the, the zero to three infants and toddlers in particular system. You know, one thing we need to remember is that when children, those young children are in a lot of different settings when um, they are zero to five. So some are home with their parents, some are with their grandparents, some are with neighbors or informal care, and then some are in a licensed childcare system that North Carolina is known nationally for having such a strong system. Um, that licensed childcare system, though, is a fragile system, and that's primarily because of how it's financed. Um, when you look at program costs for early care and education, about 60% of the revenue comes from parent fees. Um, and so that is, you know, what parents are paying toward uh, weekly or monthly toward their program. For many parents in North Carolina, they're simply financially out of reach. Childcare is not affordable. And even for middle class and upper class, upper uh, income families, it's still a stretch. Childcare is really expensive. And so families often don't have choices um, uh, in their community about affordable childcare. And for, and for the folks that are in childcare programs, teachers themselves, and the owners of childcare programs, it is a hard place to be. Um, we know that the cost of quality far outstrips what parents can pay. And so teachers are paid a very low wage, typically around $11, $12 an hour. Um, and operators of childcare programs are operating on a very razor thin margin. Um, there is no bandwidth there um, in terms of profit. Um, and so those things all contribute to a very fragile system, which has only been kind of exacerbated in the pandemic. Um, right now, North Carolina childcare programs, licensed childcare programs are serving about half the children 
that they were serving before COVID, which means that loss of parental income is hitting childcare programs really hard. And so even though really the majority, more than 90% of programs are open, they are operating at about half capacity, which means that tuition is not there for them and they are struggling to stay open right now. I wonder if you want to talk a little bit more about programs that are working, but also aspects that maybe we should be growing at this time, especially given our recovery as we start to come out of COVID. So there's two programs. There's one called Wages. That's actually, um, it's, there's national, we have a national TA um, center here in North Carolina. It was, it was developed here in North Carolina. Um, And it's in close to 60 counties in our state where the local smart start um, partnership um, subsidizes with help from DCDEE, which is the Division of Child Development and Early Education that lives within um, DHHS that's responsible for oversight of zero through NC pre-K, um, that they fund this salary supplementation because, you know, Childcare workers who are doing this critical work of brain development and providing this um, stimulating environment and the serve in return for young children and all their connecting synapses in the brain, on average, they're paid about $11 an hour. Um, and so when you're asking them to, and there's another program called awards, which is strictly through DCDEE, which is another salary supplementation program, but they're limited as to how many people they can offer these, these salary supplements to. Um, and it's challenging when you're asking teachers to, to grow in their professional development and their education, knowing that they are oftentimes having to take loans out to go to community colleges or to get um, bachelor's degrees in these fields for which they're never gonna be paid the money to to pay back those loans becomes a little bit of an ethical question. Um, There is a program that is um, designed to help um, provide scholarship for, for folks who want to become early educators. It's called teach. Um, and that's, that's an important, um, vehicle, I think for expansion to, to get more people interested in the field, but we've really got to do a better job of, of valuing the work, um, that these mostly, mostly women and mostly women of color are doing to, to create the foundation for lifelong learning and success. Yeah. And if I can jump in on that, Marianne, just to echo, because it's so important. Like we could be, we could be talking about this all day, honestly. Oh, we could. (laughs) There is just simply no way to get to quality uh, early care and education without fairly compensated teachers. Um, It's just not possible. And so if we really want an equitable and quality childcare system, early care and learning system, we have to be focused on making sure the teachers are fairly compensated. And what Muffy said is spot on, 40% of our teachers are on public assistance. One in five does not have health insurance. I know a a childcare owner who has had two staff um, pass away because they were unable to get the healthcare that they needed because they were uninsured. Um, And so this is a huge crisis, honestly, for our teachers, and it's playing out in the uh, pipeline of early education teachers. We're seeing less folks entering that pipeline to become early care teachers, early learning teachers. Again, that's going to impact us later on as we're trying to expand access to childcare and early care learning, and we simply don't have the teacher supply um, to uh, support those programs. 
Um, so I think the early care is, is really, uh, the teacher compensation is just such an enormous issue for North Carolina. And I do wanna highlight the work of our colleagues um, at the Early Education Coalition who have recently launched a worthy wage campaign specifically focused on wages and increasing wages for teachers and um, have had an enormous response across the state because it is such an important issue for teachers. You all have both raised so many important points and reminded us how co complex it is, the early care and education of our students, but how important it is as well. And after the break, we will be joined by Senator Jay Chowdhury, who's co-chair of the General Assembly's Early Childhood Caucus, and to continue this important conversation. Thank you both so much. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives. I'd like to welcome Senator Jay Chowdhury, representing Wake County and co-chair of the General Assembly Early Childhood Caucus. Thank you so much for joining us today. Great to be with you, Marianne. We know that this Early Childhood Caucus is something that's been very important to you, and I would love to hear more about what your thoughts are about early childhood and why you have chosen to be engaged as co-chair. Number one, I'm flattered to serve as co-chair on the Senate side with Senator Jim Bergen and Representative Ashton Clemens and Representative David Willis. Uh, co-chair the, the House side, but uh, the reason that I uh, agreed to co-chair this caucus is because I truly uh, and deeply believe that early childhood education is the single best uh, investment that we can make as taxpayers, and uh, the return on investment um, is not debatable. We know that from many studies, and I also firmly believe that this is not a Democrat issue. It's not a Republican issue. It's not an independent issue. It's an issue about investing in the future of our children. And while we may have a lot of partisanship in the building, I really think this is an issue that we can all agree upon. Well, I so appreciate that. And we are very fortunate that there is such strong research behind these efforts. And we know that it really makes such a difference, not just for that beginning of schooling, right, but continued through future success. And so really appreciate that. What do you see as the biggest needs and challenges facing North Carolina right now in terms of meeting the needs of all of our young people? So I think that the, I think there are a few issues and these are issues that have been discussed before. I mean, I think number one is we have a real challenge with our early childhood workforce. Uh, we know that we've got early childhood teachers that sometime earn $10 an hour, maybe as high as $15 an hour. Um, part of that also goes to the qualifications of our earlyhood child, early childhood teachers as well. Uh, many of them don't have an associate's degree, so we really need to look at how we can build an incentive to attract additional uh, high-quality early childhood teachers. And then the second, of course, is access. I mean, we have, uh, we have I believe, 33,000 eligible children that are, um, on the, are, that are eligible for early childhood um, programs that uh, don't receive it. And that's always been a weak spot in North Carolina. So if we can do more to make sure that these great programs that we have in North Carolina, such as the pre-K, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the Smart Start programs are available, uh, that I think that would go a long way. And obviously those are recommendations that have come out from the Leandro court decision as a court consent order as well. You raise such great points because once again, we know what we need, which is more opportunity for more uh, of our children and then also to have those teachers that are highly qualified, but also fairly compensated. And I wonder what you're hoping that the General Assembly will do in this session, but also in future years to really address those challenges. 
so my my hope uh, is my hope is number one is that we'll take some real lessons away from the pandemic. I mean, we know our early childhood care centers have been really hot, hot hit hard. Uh, we know that it's been hard to recruit and retain early childhood centers uh, teachers um, in North Carol in in Wake County, for example, which I represent. Uh, we have seen a reduction in the number of children that are eligible for um, early childhood services. So that's just, that's a problem in, in, in a county like Wake County. Um, and so, you know, based on the pandemic, I, I hope that we're going to double down our efforts in focusing on early childhood education. And so that means that we need to focus on way that's ways that we can supplement the salaries for early childhood teachers, uh, as well as making sure that we put more dollars towards the NC pre-K program and the Smart Start program, programs that we know that work um, to, to expand it uh, uh, as well. So that, that's my hope and what we get out of this, this session and future sessions. Well, I so appreciate too this notion of things that we do to help us in the COVID recovery phase are also really important things that can help us long-term and they get to do both and also help to address equity issues as well. I know that Leandro does lay out several key goals for early childhood education. And I wonder how you anticipate that the Leandro work playing into the work of the caucus, but also the General Assembly and with some of the specific recommendations you've already shared. We haven't discussed it um, as, as a caucus and the caucus is, we're, we're kind of engaged in a fact finding phase right now. Uh, but, you know, the governor, Governor Cooper's expected to release his budget this week. Uh, I think we'll get some indications of what he is staking out as far as uh, his response to the Leandro decision and the importance, I think, uh, to put dollars towards, uh, number one, again, making sure that we fund the NC Pre-K program um, and the Smart Start program to re reach 75% of the eligible children, which is uh, part of what the Leandro decision uh, and the consent order talks about. Uh, but secondly, also addressing the earlier issue that we talked about, and that's to make sure that we uh, recruit and retain a high, highly qualified uh, early childhood workforce. And uh, I, I mean, I hope that um, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, whether it's the governor's office or the General Assembly, uh, that we can come together on these issues because those are great long-term investments for our state. Do you think there's potential for some incentives in that regard? Because I know you mentioned already the very important element of pay that people can have a good, you know, make a good living. But I also wonder if you could foresee any efforts to incentivize um, students, um, even grow your own types of programs that might lead to more people entering that pipeline. I would love to see that. And I know there has been some discussions uh, with the Leandro recommendations to look at growing your own, particularly, um, I think, beyond K, beyond the kind of the pre-K space. But I think that's a great idea. And we also know that one of the needs with uh, Smart Start programs, for example, is better flexible funding. But that, I think, highlights the principle uh, that you've raised in this question is that we know that local communities know best on how to design these programs and the state should be in a position to support them as much as possible. I mean, we also know uh, that the funding ratio that we provide for these early childhood programs uh, simply not enough, particularly in underserved counties. And I hope that that um, may be one way to build additional incentives um, for local communities to partner with the state on building these programs out.
And is there anything else that you would like to talk about in terms of early childhood? I know we've covered a lot of key issues, but I just want to make sure I give you a chance if there's any other piece you'd like to add. What I would say is I'm really excited about the Early Childhood Caucus and what it means for the state. I um, I am optimistic that this will be a national model, and I think we're seeing uh, business leaders, we're seeing leaders from the nonprofit space um, and government officials and elected officials all coming together to focus on this issue. And I'm hoping that this will be the beginning of something new with the Early Childhood uh, Caucus and uh, really the leadership, especially Representative Ashton Clemens, deserves a lot of credit uh, for bringing us together on this. And, uh, and, and I hope that this will lay the foundation for us to do work together going forward many years from now. Well, thank you so much. And we also find it very promising to have so many of you, especially with you as a co-chair of that effort. So thank you so much for that, but also for being here with us today. Thanks so much, Marianne. After the break, this week's final word. We often hear teachers and administrators talk about how their students come to their schools with such diverse backgrounds, competencies, and experiences. This is true at all grade levels, but often particularly so in kindergarten as we recognize that some students have had extensive experiences in social settings or are already reading, while others may have only had limited formal education or access to text. Other students have adverse childhood experiences or may not have yet been exposed to English. This all affects where they are as individuals and students when they enter our schools. As we talked previously in our discussion about early literacy, Progress in understanding how a student's brain works provides us with the opportunity to address the many factors that can support a child to reach their full potential and to understand how to best meet their needs in their academic, social, and emotional learning. Access to early childhood learning opportunities, care, and supports are key. High quality care and learning environments beginning at birth are critical to the success of North Carolina's children and set the foundation for how they are positioned to succeed in school and beyond. Early childhood education is typically defined as the span of time between birth through age eight and includes childcare, informal and formal education, and literacy. North Carolina faced challenges in all of these areas pre-pandemic, and each has been affected even more by COVID-19. According to recent research that was released before the pandemic, only half of all North Carolina parents were able to access any type of center-based or formal early childhood care. Six months into the pandemic, that rate fell to less than one in three. Further, the analysis finds that households of color face more early education challenges. The care they rely on is lower quality with fewer employer supports, and the pandemic has disproportionately impaired their access to childcare. For our economic recovery and future prosperity, it is important that North Carolina takes swift action to ensure all of our children are well cared for and well prepared for academic and social success. There are many ingredients that contribute to creating a high quality early learning environment, ranging from innovative pedagogical approaches to expanding out of the classroom supports for families and children. Many of these ideas we heard about from our guests today and they are also lifted up as key action steps to take in a comprehensive plan filed last week in the Leandro case. We know that early childhood learning opportunities, care and supports make a huge difference for our students, a difference that lasts well beyond the early years and throughout a child's education and career. We understand how the brain works and what is needed to ensure that our youngest children have the opportunity to reach their potential. 
While there is much work to be done, we can build on the successes of our current programs and know where the investments are needed. So much of a person's brain development happens before they get to kindergarten and through the early years of schooling, and we must continue to expand how we think about the education continuum for our students, our families, and our state's workforce and economy. Thank you for taking time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.